Wonderful. Good to catch up. Happy Queen's Birthday weekend. (laughs) Hope you've had a fun time so far. And isn't it nice to know that tomorrow's a holiday? Yay! Sorry for any of you for whom it's not. (laughs) But, oh, it's not a holiday for you. There are some who have to work tomorrow. That is awful. I don't. (laughs) There we go. Um, You know what? Um, I'm not a nurse anymore, but I used to be a nurse long time ago, and I mainly worked in um, the hospital setting in surgical wards, so looking after people before and after their surgery. And it's interesting, from a nurse's perspective, people would walk in, and I would look at this person, and occasionally it was obvious what needed doing, but most often it wasn't. In fact, if you know anything about surgery and, and what happens when you're getting ready for surgery, quite often um, the surgeon will take a vivid marker and mark you so they don't chop off the wrong bit, right? Left leg or something, right? So you need to know where it is. So quite often you can't actually see anything wrong with the person who is about to go under the knife. An example of this would be a condition you may or may not have heard of. It's a condition called cardiomyopathy. Have you heard of that? It's about the heart. You could probably guess from the, from the word cardiomyopathy. And in cardiomyopathy, it's a disease of the heart muscle that can make, makes it really hard for the heart to beat and to pump the blood around your body, which obviously it needs to do. And one of the big reasons that this can happen is that the muscle itself can become thickened. And so as it becomes thickened, it becomes rigid, and it's difficult for it then to do its job. And, and, and it's often referred to, actually, as the hardening of the heart. And there are signs and there are symptoms of this. So if you were experiencing this, and now don't start diagnosing yourself as you sit here, but, but let me just say there are certain things you might be experiencing. You might be experiencing dizziness or faintness or coughing or swelling in the abdominal area or some chest pain, or, or maybe you, you might be finding that you're getting some swelling in the extremities and, and all these things, that little signs, little symptoms that something is not right. Okay, and, and they might be sufficient to bring you into the clinic, to bring you into the doctor's room, to bring you face-to-face with the doctor. But the condition itself is internal and invisible to you. You can't see it. And you actually need the doctor to do some tests and diagnose what's going on because it's invisible, this hardening of the heart, but it can kill you. And today, as we go into Hebrews chapter 3, and we start at verse 7, the author of this book of Hebrews warns us. And the warning is that a person, just like those people I was talking about, they can look healthy on the outside, And we can look at them and it looks like there's nothing wrong. They can look healthy on the outside while on the inside they can have a life 
threatening condition. And the author to the Hebrews, he calls it a hardened heart. And he's not talking, when he talks about this, he's not actually talking about the physical heart like you can see on the, on the screen here. He's not talking about that. When the Bible speaks about the heart of a man or a woman or a child, the heart of a person, what the Bible is talking about is that very part of us which is like the core. It's the core of our personality and our reasoning and our thinking and our desiring and our personality. The heart is that part, is that place in us, which is the source of everything else about us. That's how important it is. And that's what we're reading about. And today, my prayer is, that the Lord would kind of like put us, put our hearts under a spiritual MRI scan or something. That our hearts would be revealed by the Holy Spirit today. And that we would get to be faced with the important information, which is the truth of our heart condition. So that if need be, we can do something about it. That's my prayer today. So let's read the verses that we're looking at today. They're in Hebrews 3, so take your Bible and turn there. And it's verses 7 through to the end, verses 7 to 19. And it says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked to anger with that generation, and I said, they always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it's still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. As it is said, today, if you hear his heart, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Strong words of warning. And they start with the word, therefore. 
Just like last week's actually, started with the word therefore. And as we know, if there's a therefore, we've got to find out what it's there for, don't we? We've got to go back and we've got to see what was there before. And so if we think back over what we've learned so far in this letter to the Hebrews, we've learned a whole bunch of things. Here's some of them. We've learned that Jesus is God in flesh, that Jesus is superior to the angels, that Jesus is the Son of God, that the gospel is superior to the Jewish law, that Jesus is the perfect Savior and High Priest, and that we are his brothers and sisters. And then last week we learned that Jesus is even superior to the great Hebrew prophet and deliverer, Moses, didn't we? And we learned last week that we are his household We are his whanau. We are his family. We are the household of God. And that's where we ended last week. And then the author says, therefore. So since all of this that we've just gone over, since we are the household of God, the the whanau of God, therefore, therefore, here, and respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says. And then the author goes on and he quotes. And he quotes in verses 7 to 11, he quotes from a psalm. So remember, he's speaking to Jewish people and he's quoting to them now from Psalm 95. And they would know this psalm. They would know it. This is part of their book. This is part of their life. They know it. And so he takes them back to Psalm 95, but he only takes them back to half of it. And he speaks to them from Psalm 95. And he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and then he quotes it. And what he's saying there is awesome. He's saying the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote Psalm 95. You know, when I'm reading a book, I've got a friend over here who's an author and I love her books, Cara. But when I'm reading a book, one of the things that goes on in my mind is I'm reading the book and I'm right in the story, but I'm in another place too. I'm, I'm in this wondering place. I'm wondering about the author. Do you do that? Yeah. And in my mind, in the back of my mind is I'm wondering about this person who's written the story that I'm reading. And the, the, the author of Hebrews says, wonder no more when it comes to the Bible. He says the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is the one who wrote the Bible. As you pick up the Bible, you pick up the very word of God. And you know what? There are some books around at the moment that claim to be God speaking. You know what? The only book that has the authority to claim to be God speaking is this book, the Bible. Anything else is man-made and fallible, but this is the word of God. And every time you pick it up, you can know God is speaking to me as I open up and go through these pages. The Holy Spirit is speaking, therefore. And so he takes them into Psalm 95, a psalm of worship and warning. And if you were to read Psalm 95, and Nick read out most of it already this morning, and the rest of it is what we've got right here in verses 7 to 11, 
When you read Psalm 95, what you find is that the person who's writing Psalm 95 is taking the reader further back. He's reminding them of their history as the Jewish people. And he's taking them back to the stories of Exodus. And in particular, he's taking them back to Exodus 17. And the story is this. Moses, the great deliverer, has led the Hebrew people, around about three million of them. He has led them out of slavery in Egypt, where they've been slaved for hundreds of years. And he's led them out via this massive miracle. You can see a a, a mock-up picture of that on the screens right now. As God dried up the Red Sea and opened up the water and the people walked through. Incredible miracle that went on right there. And this was on the back of a whole bunch of other miracles that God had performed in Egypt. And yet when you come to Exodus 17, you come to these same people that are there that went through the Red Sea, and these same people are found doubting that God cared for their everyday needs. And in particular, having walked through all of this, they doubted that God would provide them with a drink of water. Isn't that interesting? And this doubt and this unbelief hardens their hearts against God. Even though they had experienced the miracle of the drying up of the Red Sea, even though they had experienced the pillar of cloud and and the pillar of fire and the provision of manna and the provision of quail, when they were faced with a tough situation and things weren't going their way, They questioned whether God was really there. And they just didn't believe what he said anymore. And their hearts became hard. They experienced spiritual heart disease. And instead of turning to God, they turned away from the living God. And we read that that the result of their unbelief was that they never entered God's rest, that place of God's promised provision and blessing and abundance. They didn't trust God's word to them. You see, they'd heard, they'd heard about the promised land of Canaan, but they never got to go in. Yes, they'd gotten out of slavery. Yes, they'd left the old, but they never entered into the new. And they got right to the very edge of Canaan. They got right to the very border of the promised land. But they got put off by the giants and they wouldn't listen to the voices of faith that said, go in, the land is yours. And instead... They wandered around for the remainder of their lives, never getting there. You see, there's no rest without faith. There's no abundance without belief. There's only wandering. And because of unbelief, this this group of millions of people, they took a 40-year detour in the wilderness. And you know what? The thing that strikes me 
an entire generation of people, a whole generation had to die off before they would experience the blessings promised. Crazy, eh? And the writer says, therefore, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. This word today, today if you hear, today refers to this immediate moment. You're in a moment right now. You will never have this moment again. Right now, in this immediate moment, this is today. Today, on the 3rd of June, 2018, this moment when the Holy Spirit speaks to you as he is right now, as he reaches out to you, as he nudges you, right now is the moment when you have opportunity. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow might never be. Today is what you have right now. What is the state of your heart today? You know what? It doesn't matter. Whatever's happened in the past, hardening of our hearts happens today. Where are we at today? You know, we can't judge each other. We can look all healthy on the outside, can't we? It can look like everything's absolutely honky-dory. But on the inside, I can be one heartbeat away from a heart attack. I can have a thick and hardened and rigid heart. And that's why this passage is written in a tone of warning with such urgency today. Watch out, beware, beware the imminent unseen threat that lurks today for me and for you. Because he says, brothers and sisters, and back in verse 1, he says, holy brothers and sisters, get this, family. He's talking to believers He's talking to followers of Jesus Christ, holy brothers and sisters. This is a warning to us that someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ can have a hard heart. That I can have a hard heart. That I can have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. This is a warning to us. And verse 13 tells us that it's sin's deception that hardens the heart. I've sinned enough to know that all sin can harden the heart. Any kind of sin can harden the heart. But you know what? The sin of unbelief is particularly good at hardening the heart. And that is the sin that's being referred to here in this passage. This is the sin that keeps us out of God's abundance, out of his rest and provision. There's a quote in 
um, the book that we have at the back here on the table that you can take a copy of, um, Sacrifice and Glory. And it says this, the tendency to doubt our beliefs leads us to believe in our doubts. You know, when we have a doubt, it's okay to doubt, but as you walk through your doubt, as you walk through your question, let your heart cry be, God, would you keep my heart soft? So that as your Holy Spirit brings revelation, I receive it and I walk forward in belief. So how do you know? How do you know if you have a hard heart? What are the symptoms? What are the signs? What would you be experiencing? What would life be like? I've made a list of some of the things. And, and the first is a smugness. A smugness. Ugh, I already know the answers. Heard it all before. An arrogance. So that when I see someone who is an on-fire Christian or I read about it or, I, or it comes across my path, that on-fire Christian, you know the kind. You know the kind. You've met one. Those Christians. And I think it's all a little bit childish, if not somewhat embarrassing. Hard, hard. A hard heart is judgmental and bitter. And so as I come across people, I'm looking for what's wrong in them. And a hard heart is divisive and angry. And my interactions come from a place actually of hatred. And a hard heart is cold and bored and somewhat tired of church. You know, we stand, we sit, we sing, we take communion, we hear a message, we go home. Oh, if that's what we're thinking, we need to get on our faces before God and we need to plead with him to take out our heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. A heart that the Holy Spirit has a hold of. Today, you, me, A hard heart has got that attitude of been there, done that. And so, so maybe, maybe you hear about some new move of God or you hear about the, you know, the move out to east or you, or you hear about an opportunity to serve or, or there's an excited person around you and it's like, ah, we tried that. Yeah, we tried that. Got the t-shirt seriously. You know, been there, we go round and round. Here we go again. It'll never work. That won't last long. This is a hard heart. This is not okay. This is deathly. And and the writer says, see to it that none of you has this going on. We need to cry out to God about this. If you've got a hard heart, 
you'll find that there's a reluctance to pray. You're really not all that curious about discovering the heart of God. Because that's what prayer is, isn't it? And you know what? There can be that attitude of, why would I bother praying? Why would I bother? A reluctance to pray. And finally, being unaffected by worship. Unaffected. You know what? God has given us one of the most amazing gifts, and it is the gift of worship. Where we, as little puny, little human beings here on this little planet, can worship Almighty God. And we come together, and for some of us, our hearts are so hard that our worship resembles more a corpse than an angel. And God doesn't say, join the corpses and worship me. He says, join the mighty ones of heaven and worship me. And you know, the people who were first reading these words, remember that they were the Jews, and they would have read these words in this letter, and they would have got to these verses, and they would have seen, ah, he's quoting Psalm 95. And as they looked at it, they thought, wait a minute. He's only starting halfway through. What happened to the first half of Psalm 95? And they would have thought back in their memories because they memorized scripture. And they would have thought back and they would have seen he's starting at the warning. But prior to the warning, almost two-thirds of the psalm is a psalm which is a call to worship. And it's a call to worship that says, come, bring us song of praise. Come and, and yell out your praise to God. Come and worship and bow down. Come and worship. Warning, don't harden your hearts. And the message I think that's hidden in there is that if we would be a people who are affected in worship, we will go a long way to preventing a hardness in our hearts. How's our worship going? I wonder, how do you stack up when you look at the symptoms of a hard heart. Are you there? Have you been there? Maybe you've known the power of God in all kinds of ways, but you've been faced with a nitty-gritty little real-life situation, and your faith and your belief have got smaller, and now your heart just isn't as soft as it used to be. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through the word of God and through worship and you're just not feeling it. And if you're really honest, you aren't too sure that God cares about your situation. You know he's got the power, but you just don't know if you can trust him. And maybe your today is a tough place. Well, today the Lord is calling you 
Today he's calling you to believe again, to soften your heart and believe again. And you know, as I was preparing for today, as I said, it hit me that a whole generation had to die out. And I, I said to the Lord, Lord, what about us? What about us? Right here, right now. God, please don't let this be our generation. Please, God, don't let this be us. And I wonder today, are you praying for the church? Are you praying for your brothers and sisters who are sitting here right now? Are you praying for the street city church, the street church? Are you praying for those that come on a Sunday night who are a new generation rising up? Are you praying for the youth? Are you praying for the children? Are you praying for the church of New Zealand? And are you saying, God, let this not be us. Let us not be a generation that will not enter, that must die out in order for a new generation to rise up. And I wonder if God were to pass a spiritual MRI over this church, what would be the state of our heart? And right now, before we go on any further, I just want us to take a moment. I want us to look at that list. And you know what I did this morning? I prayed through every one of those things about me. I could see it there. And I just invite you to take a moment right now and repent of the unbelief and the coldness of heart that is yours, if it's yours, today. Let's just have a moment of silence. Move on our hearts, Holy Spirit. Move on our hearts. Almighty God, make us the church of soft-hearted, believing people. We pray in Jesus' name. You know, one of the remedies that the author goes on to is that we encourage one another daily, another today, in this moment, while we have opportunity, while today is still called today. Today is the day that we encourage each other. And that is why we come together. One of the reasons why we come together in our life groups and and here. And and the word encourage is a strong word that can actually be be, um, spoken as the word exhort. 
exhort each other. And what it's got in its meaning is the heartening cry, the, the team talk, the heartening talk that, a, that an army commander gives to his group, his army that's about to go out and fight battle. That kind of talk, brave heart, you know, that kind of talk. As he gathers them. And, and it also carries with it the idea that the person who's giving the words cares deeply about the effect of those words in those people's lives. That is what we're called to do. That is what you are. You are the person doing the team talk. You, not the person beside you, not the person up here. You are the person doing the team talk. So how much exhorting are we doing? How much encouraging are we doing? You know, when we've all been through tough stuff. I've been through tough stuff. You've been through tough stuff. If you haven't, you will. And you know what I find really confusing? When someone says, <clears throat> when someone's going through a tough time, don't give them a Bible verse. It's just cliche. What? What the heck? When I am going through a tough time, give me a Bible verse. What else do I have? When I am going through, when I'm in the pit, give me the word of God. Exhort me. Don't pat me on the back. Exhort me. I need it. You need it. You need to give it to each other. And so we worship together. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I looked across and I saw a friend I haven't seen in three years. Yay. And it's great having Katia back here in New Zealand. And I can't wait to catch up on your story. But I haven't seen you for three years. And when I saw Katia worshipping, oh, was I exhorted. Oh, was I encouraged. That was wonderful. We're going to worship again. And as we worship, we are encouraging one another. Do it in your families. Do it in your marriages. How much exhorting is going on? If you're married, how much exhorting is going on? Do it in your flat. Do it in your friendship group. Just before we worship again together, let me say, if you're someone who is investigating Christianity, and you know you have those moments where you just sense God is in the room. You're here and you know, or you're singing and something inside of you is stirred, or you're reading the Bible and, and some bits just seem to jump off the page at you, or pieces of truth are beginning to just drop into place. May I encourage you with all my might, if you are investigating, keep your heart open as those things happen. Keep your heart open as you grow in belief. And maybe today is your day to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And if it is, then all you need to do is tell him. And I'd love to have a chat with you about that as we finish our service. So please stand and invite the band to come and and we're going to continue to worship our Lord. Let's pray, folks. 
Father God, we worship you, we praise you, we give you all glory, Lord. We thank you that we get to worship you. We get to encourage each other. And Father, we ask that you would soften every heart in this room and that we would be those people who enter into the abundance of God through belief. In Jesus' name, amen.